Hello friends, today's fiendish mind is a writer of horror fiction whose works include Consumed, Devil's Day and Dark Island. He's one of the first horror writers I connected with online, opening my eyes to a vast interconnected world of authors, many of whom I consider friends and colleagues. He's a great bloke, honest, sharing and funny. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with the one and only Kyle M. Scott. getting on brother i'm good jack i'm good very How good are you, mate? i'm i'm spot on mate and i'm i'm all the more pleased for having you here it's thank been, you man it's been a long time since we had a catch-up isn't it hi many years mate many years um how's the lockdown treating you how are you keeping yourself entertained yeah i'm kind of living on a diet of wine and procrastination at this point to be honest with you um yeah just taking it a day at a time drinking far too much uh, writing far too little, um, playing far too many video games, just basically. I'm like, uh, yeah. That just sounds like a normal day in the life of a writer, really. It pretty much is. It's, it's not really changed that much, other than there's less people, which I'm kind of okay with, you know? Yeah. Other than that, it's not really changed that much at all, you know? What you been recently watching? Writing, what have I been watching? Um, what have I been watching? A lot of movies. I've been watching a lot of horror films. Um Catching up with a lot of things like uh, I saw Daniel isn't real and catching up with this quote unquote elevated horror, you know, kind of thing, uh, the lighthouse, things like that. Uh, great, yeah. great stuff, like brilliant uh-huh. stuff. Um, box setting, I've been, I've got to be honest with you, my partner got a uh, Disney X or Disney Plus, whatever the fuck. Oh it's called. yeah, yeah. Um, it's not very good, might I say, but it's got every episode of The Simpsons, so I've been, uh, you know, I've been going back and rewatching The Simpsons, so I've been living on a diet of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's been cool. Very so a good. little time capsule, you can just go back to your youth and you know, yeah, watch the shows yeah. you used to watch and that, so it's good. Yeah, I, I can't remember when I dropped off The Simpsons, I, um, but it was many years before the movie. I just kind of tapered off because I, I was kind of lured away by like American Dad and Family Guy and stuff, you so know. Was I, yeah, South Park um, and all that. that was uh, yeah, yeah, it's a... It's I nice like to it. it's, it's, nice, funny. It's, a, it's, it's a gentler kind of humour, you know, it's... Yeah, it's warmer. So but it's often quite, very it's prescient. Nice. Often very yeah. prescient, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. They, well, that's they, why there's so many conspiracy theories about them knowing what's going down and all that. Because, <laughs> like, you watch an episode and then it'd be like 20 years ago, you're like, holy fuck, this is the world we live in at this point, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's strange. But uh, yeah, it's good. And there we point out Fox Connection as well. Aye, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, what video games you've been playing on then? Uh, the entire lockdown, I've been playing one fucking game, man. It's been a uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It's like it's the biggest game I've ever played in my life. I'm, yeah. I'm actually sick of it. It's became like a curse. <laughs> it's like just fucking end, you know. I'm like 108 hours in, and it's ridiculous. And every time I load it up, it says like your playtime 108 hours. I'm like this is my life, man. I've got one shot at this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting playing this fucking thing, you know. But um, yeah, that's it. That's that. And there's a game called Hunt Showdown. It's like a, it's a really good game. It's very underrated. Nobody knows about it. Well, not many people know about it. But it's starting to get a older audience. It's kind of a cross between like a survival horror and a like a battle royale kind of game. 
So right. we like that. Um, that sounds cool. Yeah. Done nothing productive whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It sounds all right to me. Aye, well, it's been okay, you know. How's the uh, lockdown been affecting your creativity? You said you've been procrastinating a bit and not writing as yeah, much as you'd like. It's, it's it's not been as... I figured when it happened, you'll probably feel the same way. I, I figured that I would be writing every day and it would be a constant and it would be there would be some kind of routine that I would get into. But that's, that's not the way I work. The way I work seems to be I'll have bursts of creativity and then I'll have periods of nothing. You know, yeah. and it's, it's kind of been the same, really. It's it's the, the main difference being that I like to... I don't have any set ritual or any set location to write. I like to like pack up my laptop, get on the bike, find somewhere nice in the coast and then write there. But that's, it's became less of a thing obviously through the quarantine. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not changed greatly. It's, I, I've, I was through, I went through a really intense period of work um, last month. Um, but this month has been almost null and void, you know, but that nice. will change as soon as I, you know, as soon as I pick up and just, I have to force myself. It's the whole get out of your own way thing, you know. Yeah, I have to actually absolutely. force myself to do it. And once I start doing it, I, it's like when I feel most alive. But it's it's getting, it's sitting your arse down and actually saying, okay, right, I'm going to do this. I can do this. This is yeah. it. I've got what it takes. Blah, 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 you know. A lot of the I'm, days, it's, the, the muse isn't there, you know. I'm exactly so, the same. The, trying to nail myself to the desk sometimes and go just, I, there were a few hundred words. Get into yeah. and then the next thing, twelve hundred words, a couple That's of thousand it. words sometimes, you know, and you yeah, That's it. yeah. And, you know, even that even in this last week I've done it a couple of times, mate, and I've written some scenes that I even when I finished the scenes, I thought, That's not going in there. I, but oh, I, I needed to write it to get it out the way because it was a block and I thought there's oh, gonna be a better way to move those pieces around the board. Yeah. I'll have to find it. But that's done now. I've done it and yeah. I've, I've practiced today and, and that was it, you know? Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I do the same thing. Some... I do the same thing. I, I always thought the writer's blog was a myth, but it absolutely is not. It's, but it's all, it's all internalized, isn't it? You know, yeah. once you, once you break through that, like you see, even a paragraph sometimes can be enough to, to set you free, you know, mm -hmm. to unchain it. But it's, it's the, I don't know if you have this, but I have this, almost like an impending sense of doom when I start writing. No matter how much I've done, no matter how much I've achieved or, or got down the way I wanted it, I always, when I start writing or I sit down to write, it's always a terrifying experience. For some reason, I have it in my head that every day I can't do this and then I have to will myself to do it. And usually within a paragraph or two, I'm, I'm rolling, you know. Off it, yeah. yeah, and that's it. And it just the day disappears, you know. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I get what you mean. I mean, that my current work in prog progress is a book that I termed unwritable a while ago. <laughs> I hope that's not an omen, that it means it's fucking so, going to be yeah. unreadable. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I'm right, it's, it's definitely one that I'm thinking, well, I, in the first instance, I'll write it for me because it's one I've tinkered with over the years, 20 years now, I've been messing with it and putting it off and putting it off and thought no this years. is the time I've, I, yeah across 20 years um because it grew into something you know i was thinking through the ninth book in the series before i'd even i you know any page so to speak yeah yeah and and you know i've done it i've written the first in the series twice before but i've never been happy with the way that it was coming out or laid out you know and then 
uh, last year it kind of came to me. I thought I've, it, it clicked. I thought I've, there's a way that I can write this. I've just thought how I can come back to this and do it. And like yeah. I say, I just, at the minute, doing it for me to sort of exercise a demon. Yeah, and then that's I can, what it's all about, man. Yeah, rewrite it yeah. for everybody else. Yeah, I'm a firm uh, believer that if you're not doing it for yourself, no one, if you don't enjoy it and enjoy the process, no one else is going to enjoy it. That's it. It has to be for you first and foremost because nobody's doing this for a paycheck, you know. Yeah, it's just oh, not, Christ, it's no. not the way it works. So, <laughs> yeah, the artist's life is not one of wealth for most, but it's, yeah, I'm with you in that, man. It's a, it's a process. I've, I've, I've worked on a, a series as well. I have a series too. It's not been 20 years. It's been about maybe four now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing happened with me. I got through the first book. I have, I've had it written for like two years now, the first book in the series, but I've never released it. And I've never been content with the way it, the way it goes or the way it flows or the, the themes in it. So it's the same thing. It's like, and it also has to match up with what comes in the future. You have to make sure that you're leaving breadcrumbs for yeah. some stories that are going to be told and how the themes are going to envelope or fall back into it. So yeah. it becomes quite cumbersome. I don't know how guys like George R. R. Martin do it. I mean, no. I'm assuming it's through wine and 10 years between a book seems to be the way you go. You ah, know? It seems to be, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, just take a time out. <laughs> I would think he would be in for 10 years, you know? Yeah, and but, um, I think things like that are, are almost sleepers, aren't they? People don't catch on. Like, even like I, Harry Potter, people didn't carry catch on to Harry Potter till about book four. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, so there's a lot of a lot of grinding out done before then, yeah. isn't there? And, yeah, definitely. And then they get some word of mouth and a bit of momentum. And, yeah. You know? Aye, aye. And it can be quite daunting when you're going through that, can it? You know, it's yeah. like you're... Is anyone going to ever read this? Is this ever going to happen? And it's like it's almost like your life's work to an extent, it has because yeah, it's taking so. up a huge chunk of your your time on the planet. So you you feel you can it can be quite disconcerting to yeah. experience that, but you, you just got to keep going. You got your faith in it. And you got to believe in what you're doing and enjoy Absolutely. it. And, as and you, you say, said you it know, right before: just, get out of your own way. Yeah, get out your own way. You've got to. You've got to because it's so easy to just let the world and everything in it you know, come crashing and let the, let the house is bending upon you, so to speak, you know, mm. and you've got to, you've got to push through that and remember that this is the pure thing that you're doing and it's, it has a place. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's deciding that, you know, that this, this particular story deserves to be told. Yeah. I just have to find the right voice to tell it in or the right yeah, combination absolutely. of words to express it. Absolutely. Um, there's a couple of threads that I'm going to try and pick back up on with you in a minute, but I just wanted okay. to sort of look back with you at when you first started out with your writing and mm-hmm. were you serious about it right away? Did you come in with going, I am going to be an author and just start? Or did you write for a while and then sort of decide later, I'm getting serious about this? Yeah, to start with, for me, it was there was no intent whatsoever. I just I wrote a couple of short stories and um, I gave them around to some friends and stuff and they uh, they seemed to dig them so I was like okay there might be something here who knows blah 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 so I put together uh, four stories they became consumed volume one just four short stories I thought I'll compile them together and release it as a as a volume and if people like it they like it if they don't like it they don't like it it's no skin off my back you know um, and I put that on Amazon and it was it was relatively well received it wasn't it wasn't uh, greatly read but the people who read it enjoyed it despite the errors and so on because I didn't really know what I was doing I was kind of just flying by the seat of my pants kind of thing and um, then when I wrote the, my first novel Devil's Day and that took off 
and that was quite successful. And I started to realise within myself that this is what, this is where I'm at. This is what I do, you know. And it, it was liberating to say the least. You know, mm. it was like, okay, this is my my job. This is what I do, you know. And if I keep working on it, I can make it. I can make it work. And I can I can put work out there that's that's quality. Whether yeah. it's every year, every two years, it doesn't really matter to me when it. The, the length of the process, it just yeah. all that matters is that the work that goes out is as good as it can be. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was really when Devil's Day came out, that was when I started saying, okay, it looks like I might actually be a writer. This might be something I can do as opposed to just some guy sitting, you know, cranking it out for his friends kind of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But I think if you, you know, it, in some ways the friends thing can be, it can be helpful. Mm-hmm. It, in other ways it can be, somewhat harmful because yeah, there are some people definitely. who will will take that as oh well you know this handful of people who are, are, are largely very kind to you because they don't want shit on yeah. you um, yeah. some people can get a bit stuck in that and and maybe not elevate their game but i've got to say having read both consumed and devil's day um you're definitely up your game by devil's day yeah i think so Thanks definitely so. Um, yeah, I was starting. I was starting to understand, you know, the the process at that point. So mm-hmm. it was, um, yeah, it was it was more of a concerted effort, I guess, to yeah. to create something that would be worthwhile. But at least something I could hold in my hand and say, "Hey, I did this, man. You know, I can give this to my kids. I can, you know, let the world see this. If the world wants to see it, they have it. If not, they yeah. don't. But that's fine. But I was at that point. I wanted to write something that really kind of captured my love of the genre and captured my the, the things that I was I grew up loving and uh, yeah. it's kind of a love letter to to horror to yeah everything from the video nasty era to monster movies to the goonies you know I wanted to capture that whole thing and encompass the whole thing and yeah one you, story you know you did you just in case it never took off what it, it, you pulled it together lovely I always kind of thanks man um, I always thought that Devil's Day was, if they filmed it and made it into a movie, the characters in it would have been watching that movie on the night that the events happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Watching definitely. Devil's Day, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the book that appealed to those characters within it. And strong sense of sort of uh, 80s video cases and things like that, you know. I yeah. Definitely yeah. got that from it. And, yeah, I mean, thanks, man. Just to, to sort of go back as well, I mean, I, I enjoyed Consumed. I was um, I was surprised by Consumed because um, I remember thinking, this isn't something I would have necessarily went and bought for myself. But back in the day, it was you and I had kind of found each other. That was Stuart Keane. Um, and we all kind of swapped some books, didn't we, to just go, you know, because we were getting yeah. involved in a project together. Yeah. And we all kind of sent each other our work. So, and I, and I, and I read it and... I thought, my God, you know, the, the subject matter or, the, or the, um, the, the, the level of the violence in it was something that maybe wouldn't have originally appealed to me or had it been, had consumed being like a set of short films, I wouldn't necessarily have went, oh, I'm going to pick them to watch tonight. Yeah, yeah. It would have been something that would have been introduced to me by a friend who would say, oh, here, have a beer, we'll sit and watch this. Or, nice, so, nice. so I came to that in that way of a friend introducing me to it. Mm-hmm. who happened to have written it and I thought my god uh, like I was really surprised by the fact that I was drawn in by the writing and that then made the 
um, the actual events that I was reading about more, uh, I don't want to say palatable because I'm going to sound like a prude if I say that, but I don't know if you <laughs> sold me the whole thing. The writing sold me the whole thing, you know? Yeah, well, that's the idea. That's the idea. It can't be just about violence. It can't be just here's gore, here's blood and guts and all that bullshit. Yeah. If you if you just write that, and there are there is a an element of extreme horror industry, if you want to call it an industry, mm-hmm. if you want to call it extreme horror, I don't particularly like labels, but that it will be fueled by the the graphic imagery and so on. And I don't yeah. think I think that's only a tool to, to tell the story. The story has to be the characters have to matter, the atmosphere has to be right, the themes have to be right, and and then the violence is is the icing on the cake. Yeah. You know? it's, it hopefully it, get, it drives the point home as opposed to being the point, you know? Yes, definitely. And uh, definitely that separation, I experienced that separation while I was reading Consumed. Um, but I think when, you, when we got to Devil's Day, because you were writing a full novel, you had so much more time and space to, yeah. you know, bring those characters to life yeah. and bring the effects of the events home to those characters and sell them to the reader you know and I, yeah, think, I think it really worked you know particularly well yeah I definitely prefer writing novels and I love short stories I mean it's kind of a lost art or, or was anyway it's coming back now but yeah it's much it's much more free and you have time to explore every avenue the characters and also you'll kind of live with a book for a while you know if you write yeah. a short story you're working on it for a while like a couple of days Whereas with a novel, it can take six months to a year. For me, anyway, I'm quite a slow worker. So, but it gives me time to live with the characters and, and yeah. breathe in their skin, you know. And I think that it helps authenticate it. It helps give it an authenticity that any, as far as it doesn't matter whether it's horror or classic literature, it doesn't matter. As long as that that authenticity is there, it will come through, and that's that's what has to be there. Absolutely, you know, it's, the, it's the most important thing. And. In terms of authenticity, in terms of your interest in in horror, uh, where did your overall love of horror come from? Um, It came from, I mean, it it began in childhood. It came from like some really intense experiences I had. I remember seeing The Omen when I was perhaps seven or eight, maybe maybe younger. It could have been younger, Mm. but um, I remember after it, I was I was lying in my room at night and I had this sensation of utter terror you know yeah yeah and and it, it appealed to me and it, it, over time that I, I started to delve into it and anytime I could get my hands on any of the video nasties or any of the 18s 18 certificates I would and I would watch them when my parents went to bed yeah downstairs pop these films on and get a rush out of them and it, and it almost became like they became comforting they became like friends these these movies became almost like a, a sheltering companion I guess and uh yeah, I fell in love. I fell in love with the genre. I fell in love with every aspect of it, from mm. from the slasher movement to the universal horror films. The Hammer horror movies were a huge, huge influence in me. Um, I will take the colour nightmare, and there's there's something deeply soothing about it, while at the same time being very troubling. And uh, yeah, I just I fell head over heels, and I would spend. I was I was very adept in art, drawing, and painting, and so on. But I would spend all my time drawing Freddy Krueger's or drawing Jason Voorhees <laughs> or Frankenstein's monster and things like that. So it just, it, it kind of happened naturally. It was one of those things where it's almost like it sought me out and I didn't really, I didn't really seek it out. But 
Mm. I was an 80s kid, so it was, you know, it was it was meant to be, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I suppose <laughs> there's all the, the sort of John Carpenter, Wes Craven. Yeah, yeah. Just so much of it flying around, wasn't that? Yeah, and it was all great. It was all great stuff. And even the, even the shitty ones, you know, are still great. You know, I can, I can watch <laughs> Sleepaway Camp or something like that, and the sleaziness in that movie, it's the greasiest film in the world, you know, when you watch it. <laughs> but... I had, I, I had my partner watch it and she's like, this is almost perverted. And it was like, I know that's what's so beautiful about it. It, it, has a, <laughs> it has a, it's like, this get released, you know? Yeah. And I just, I, I love that. And I love that kind of, the kind of flutter you got in your stomach when you watched horror as a kid, you know? Mm. It's harder to be scared now, obviously, but I loved that. I loved the feeling of it. It was, it was the first of many intoxicants that I would enjoy. Yeah. Time, you know? and- so. Definitely, as you were speaking before, I, I, I did think of that, of the sort of intoxicating nature of it, the, the idea of um, sort of being repelled by something, but having the release of that repellent, yeah. something that you would never want to experience for yourself with your body. Yeah. You yeah. get to, in a limited time frame, you get to experience it on a screen or whether you're playing a video game, I suppose it brings an extra dimension to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to withdraw. You get to go back there. Yeah. You know, you get to live on. And you Whatever get to, normalcy as you get to go back there. Yeah. 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 And I suppose with the books, though, where, where that becomes more effective is you're not watching it with your partner. It's a, it's a solitary mm. um, experience, isn't it? So yep. somebody is experiencing yeah. the events in Blackhaven in Devil's Day on their own. And so I yeah, guess the tension and the scares get heightened. So yeah, that well, intoxicant, so. it's a higher yeah. dose. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, when when writing, when books came along, the first book I read that was a horror, me, was Misery, um, and by Stephen King. And that came about, I just saw the cover in the shop, and I was like, I'm, I'm buying this. I'd never read a book before in my life. I'd never actually read any novels. And at school, I would read the back of the novel and then, do they, you know, I used to have to do reports, yeah. like read this book and then do a report on it and all that shit. Just wing but it. I would, I would just wing it, yeah, yeah. But with that <laughs> book, I sat down and read it and immediately it was like something pure about it because your imagination is the, without your imagination, there is no story, you know. It's, mm. it's the writer's just the conduit between the reader and, and the story being told. And for me, that's, it's purer, you know, and it's still, it's still purer. You know, I think it always will be. I don't think there's any special effect or any character development in any movie that can match what can be done on the written page if if the writer's willing to, you know, go there. Yeah. So. Well, I think uh, that's why some of the, in terms of horror movies that I've enjoyed, I enjoyed things like the original uh, Ring. Mm. And I think what I probably enjoyed most about it was it was left largely to your mind. Yeah. Uh, because they probably, you know, they didn't have a massive budget. They weren't green screen and everything. You were seeing, yeah. you know, these weird distorted faces and things like that. Yeah. But you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then that, in yeah. the end, we get to see what's causing it. And, and you're just like, you know, it was just so disturbing yeah. because it was left yeah. to you to to make your mind up about it, you know? Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, that one stands out, man. I remember yeah. seeing the Ringo for the first time and it was just mind-blowing to me. Yeah. It was like, holy fuck. I was scared shitless, and I was a, I was a young adult at that point, and I was still scared shitless. Aye. You know, and it's like, and it still happens now. I mean, the witch scared the the, the hell out of me. Yeah, and, then, and that's not one that, not one that everybody enjoyed. But I'm with you on the witch. 
Yeah, a lot of people, this, this kind of, I hate the term elevated horror that's being used because horror was always elevated and it always seems to come around the times of political strife and so on. Mm. But but it's, so these movies that are coming out, are, they're, they're, they kind of burrow into your brain as opposed to, look, here's violence, here's this, here's that, yeah. you know, here's yeah. excitement. They're, they're slow and methodical and they, they kind of burrow into your psyche. And I think that's what great horror does. And I think that's what literary horror does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think the marketing. You know, you you talk. We've mentioned about sort of the genre and and labels, and I think that maybe the marketing for which didn't help it. I remember seeing a trailer for it in a movie, and the way they cut the trailer, it looked like it was going to be something like, say, that Daniel Radcliffe uh, Woman in Black. Yeah, like a jump go, scare. Yeah, where you were going to get creepy and jump scares. And I yeah. think a lot of people went in there expecting that because of the way that this trailer had been cut. Yeah, I can't no, remember what I the trailer was attached to. It was maybe The Boy or something like that. So nice. um, I think it was it was pitched to completely the wrong audience. And what we got was this sort of um, this slow build, this boiler. Yeah. And I, I, it, it really worked on me because I could separate it from the trailer. And yeah. obviously it worked on yeah. you. and. Yeah, I don't watch trailers, so I have a massive issue with them. I've got a bugbear about these things, man, especially when it comes to horror. But a lot of the time they do that. They, they, there was another film that was, what was it called, man? Um, it Comes at Night, I think it was called. Oh, right. And the trailer, I did see the trailer for that, and it it, it implied this fast-paced, frenetic horror vibe, and it, and it wasn't there, and it's... If you want to bring in the teenage crowd, you, you have your conjuring movies and your movies along yeah, those lines, absolutely. which are fun in their own way. There's nothing wrong with them. But I think these more thoughtful, more psychological and intellectual horrors are they should be marketed in such a way where like the way the shining was marketed. If you watch the shining's original trailers, yeah. you know, you, you never really seen anything. You just get this feeling of unease and dread. Just dread, yeah. 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 The uncanny. Yeah. So I when I go to the cinema with the missus, we uh she loves trailers. It's I'm considering filing for divorce about it because I sit there in the cinema like this, man. Like I look like an asshole in the cinema. I sit like this and fucking this, and just refuse to watch trailers at this point because they give away so much. And they and as you see, do it in such a way where you're you're given the interpretation or the impression that this movie's going to be something that it's not. Yeah, misselling it, isn't it? Yeah, you have people going to something like The Witch and they're expecting some supernatural action-packed. I mean, I still haven't seen the trailer for it, but I'm assuming that's the way it goes. Um, mm. And what they get is a study of the dangers they... Pure, is it Puritanism? Is that the right word? I think that's what they were, Puritanism. yeah. 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 And I think a lot of audiences, certainly for horror, it's changing now, thank God, but I think for a, for a period there after, after the 80s, when the 90s kind of went dull and then Scream came out and all that, it became more of a yeah. teenage thing, you know? More of it was young people getting in for a scare with their girlfriends or with their mates, maybe having a spliff or like a drink before it and going in and just enjoying the, the kind of vibe of it. Yeah. But it yeah. seems to be moving back towards being what it originally was, which is psychological terror. And I think that's the future, the horror. I think that's where it's going. Yeah. And, and certainly current times are giving us a lot to think about. That's it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it always thrives. If you look at like the 70s, horror scene was fantastic. You know, and it's always during social change and upheaval that horror seems to tap into that, that mainline of yeah. 
of like the fears that people have. And then in periods of, there's never periods of peace, but when, when there's periods of relative perceived peace, then horror becomes almost a placating thing. It almost becomes, it loses its teeth, I guess is the way you put it. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it almost like it has nothing to say. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's enough for me to rally, rally against or to fight against, you know, and I think any rebellious art form has to have something to fight against, you know. Mm-hmm. So let's have a think back to, you, you said you like to get get out there with your laptop. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's a, that's a bit of a struggle at the minute. So are you are you, when you're forced to sort of stay indoors to do your writing, do you like? Do you need silence? Do you like a soundtrack on? How do you how do you work at specific times of day? There's not really any rhyme or reason to it. No, no? usually I don't play music. Excuse me, very often when I'm when I'm writing, and if I do, it'll be something that's usually completely inappropriate for the writing, like a listening to Doctor John and listening to music about the Bayou and you know Louisiana and all that. When I'm writing a book that's set in Scotland or something, but. There's never any. I don't. I don't use the music that I love to fuel the writing. Um, mm-hmm. They they can go separate. They're they're very separate things. Um, a lot of the time, I will have uh, old classic horror movies in the background, black and white films, mm-hmm. be the Universal movies or some of the the, Ital- the early Italian horror films. Um, but only for. I mean, the sounds off. So it's only it's only for the visual. Just to and I'm not even looking at it. It's just knowing that it's there and knowing that I'm in the. Yeah, kind yeah. Of horror, if you like, you know, because everywhere else is bright and shiny, you know, most of the time our house is quite minimal, so it's nice to have that kind of connection. It's just, it's almost like saying, right, okay, I'm here, I can, I'm sitting in my zone, I can do this, you yeah. know. But um, I'm, I'm deeply into music, so the, it, to actually listen to music and write is, I'd love to do it. I mean, writers that can do that, I'm very jealous because I'd love to do that, but I can't. Yeah. If, if I hear a piece of music, my eyes are closed and I'm, I'm off. Yeah, into no. it, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's switching on a different part of your brain. That aye, aye, absolutely. Analytical rather than creative. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I like music that's challenging, so like it's not background music. It's not going to be heard in elevators or anything, you know. So it's music that's designed to infect the psyche, so it has no place in the writing process. <laughs> for me, anyway. For me, personally. What do you find triggers a story for you? Do you do you can you get going off just a good opening line? Or do you have to have a character in mind? What tends to trigger the process for you? Sometimes it could be the the opening line thing does happen quite a bit, where I'll I'll write a sentence and then think that's that's it, and then I'll go for there. But most of the time, it's um, I'll just have an idea. I'll, I'll something will come to mind that seems different. That's approaching something for a different you know, a different side or a different angle. And I'll, I'll get excited about it. And then I'll that, that'll kind of play in my mind for a few days and it gets to the point where I've no choice but to start working on it. The problem, of course, as you know, is, is when all these ideas come in and you're jostling, they're all jostling for attention and you're like, well, what, what one day I work on? Because it's not a quick process. It's not like writing a song where you can you can just lay your emotions down on the track and then, and then work it for there. You have to spend a long time in these things. So... It's a lot of the time I'll, I'll play around with the idea that I have. If I have a number of ideas going at one time, I'll maybe back shelf a few. Yeah. And but I'll go for the one that most excites me at that moment, kind of thing. Um, and that'll be the, the the work. I'll say to myself, okay, this is six months, so is this the one that I want to 
I want to dive into for six months. Because as you know, it consumes your, it consumes everything, doesn't it? Oh, I mean, it's absolutely. in your thoughts all the time. You could be in the pub with your friends. You could be out having a meal. It doesn't matter. It's always in the back of your mind. You're thinking, oh, that that's probably where that character's going next, or that's what yeah. that means, or that's what I was trying to get at. So you're kind of you're living in it, and that's living in you. So I think it's important to find the right the right story. And yeah, to go back to your question, they, they usually just they, they pop up, they pop into my head, and I think, okay, that that works. Even if they're really surreal, which a lot of the time they are, you know, yeah. that I'll still go with it. You know, it's it's if it, if it's fascinating to me, then I'll go with. It. So. Are you are you disciplined enough to keep a notebook and pen in your pocket at all times? No. Get these threads Absolutely. down? No. <laughs> no yeah. I have this thing that I do now where if I'm having a drink in the house, I'll sit with a laptop. And I'll, uh, I'll have it open with a fresh page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll write these ideas. I'll, oh, wow, that's fucking brilliant. You know, and I'll type it down. And I'll wake up the next morning, there's maybe 10 of them. Maybe one of them, if I'm lucky, is good. You know, yeah, but yeah. for the most part, no, I, d- I don't take notes. I, I, I kind of, when I'm, when I'm writing, it's the idea comes, or as you were saying, the sentence comes, and that's enough to kickstart the whole, the whole trip. And uh, yeah. then I'll just go where it, where it takes me. See how it how it turns out, which is not always great. I've got a lot of shelf stuff, you know. So yeah, as we all yeah. do, you know. It's uh, and then you think how many, how many of those great ideas that I have at the pub that I couldn't aye. remember when I got home. Aye, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the trick is to bark them at people that you're with. Yeah. Remember that I told <laughs> you this. Remember it tomorrow morning. Yeah. 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 This is how you get in the acknowledgements page. This is how exactly. you get a book dedicated. <laughs> remember this idea. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, um, mate. So, when you are able to 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 get to it at the minute, what what are you writing? What's your what's your current work in progress? Um, I normally only write one thing at a time, but at the moment, I'm working on three different projects. I've got I've got a project with Kevin J. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing a collaboration. Um, it's kind of ground to a halt due to family issues at the moment, but it's going it, when it when it kicks back off, it'll be going really well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's dealing with this. We wanted to do something that was proper, trashy and nasty and sleazy. And then we've, we chose the freak show concept to go with that because it opens up so many possibilities. So that's like a new thing for me to collaborate in like a chapter by chapter thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing that. I've just finished a novella. I haven't settled on a name for it yet, um, but it's it's the first thing I've written with no violence in it and no sex in it. There's, there's nothing graphic in the entire story, but... Mm-hmm. I think it's the scariest thing I've written. So I want to kind of try and not break free from the whole extreme horror thing, but I don't really believe in the concept of, I certainly don't believe in the concept of labeling myself, Jack. So mm-hmm. I I want to break away from that. So I wanted to write something that was almost spiritually visceral yeah. as opposed to being like physically visceral. So, mm-hmm. so I chose that route and that came out great. Yeah. That, that was the one that I was working on last month and, I wrote that in space a couple of weeks, just tearing into it. Yeah, yeah. And I have a novel of my own on the go, um, which is tentatively titled uh, Fred Farley and the Death Curse, which is just another one of these ideas that we came up with. I, I was, I, I came up with a, I was watching, I think, the second Friday the 13th movie, you know, I just had it in the background as we all yeah, do, yeah. it's awesome. And uh, I was watching that and um, I got to thinking what kind of life the, the guy that, what, what was it, the, the harbinger, 
you know, if you want to call him that, the guy at the gas station, the guy that's you yeah, got yeah. a death curse. Yeah. I go into the concept of what's his life like, you know, what is, what's he dealing with on a daily basis with these fucking teenagers showing up and yeah. he's trying to keep his business going, but he knows there's this masked fucker in the woods and all that. So I got an <laughs> idea of that. So I started, I've started writing a book about that, which is more, it's got a lot of violence in it, but it's not, it's not to be taken seriously. It's a, it's a comedy. Yeah, so, just a good bit of fun. Yeah. So I'm just trying to kind of branch out and go in different directions and see where the wind takes me, so to speak. Yeah, that that yeah. sounds that all sounds really promising and and again very indicative of a, of a development away from you know early early projects. It's good that you're not frightened to kind of experiment and yeah, I'm the opposite. I'd be frightened to stay, you know, yeah. to keep doing the same thing because yeah, would, yeah. If you tread water, you're you're going to sink. It's like why why bother? You could you could re I could rewrite Devil's Day forever, and people always go back to Devil's Day. It's it's my earliest book. Like novel, but it's it's I, I love that novel uh, from a distant standpoint. I've never read it, but I love it. But it's if I was to continue working in the same vein, like with every book, I could write ten devil days, devil's days easily. Yeah, you know? yeah, but yeah. it's there's no fun in that. There's no challenge. So I want I want every book to be something new. Yeah, you know? and, and every idea to be something that excites me, because I don't think if if I'm excited, then the audience hopefully will be excited. But if, if I'm just, you know, drawn by numbers, then it's going to be the same old bullshit, isn't it? And that's it, yeah, yeah. One's enough of every idea. Hopefully so. your readership will, will, will get this, um, the, the shift over time. Yeah. And embrace yeah. it and go, well, you know, Kyle is, you know, my favourite author, not necessarily my favourite horror author. I'm going to, what he writes i like the way that he writes it so and they'll get behind it hopefully yes is there. Yeah. and you might have pockets of people who just like this style of story or that style of story and and they'll they'll pick and choose and that's fine that's, yeah. that's fine you know it's not Sometimes an issue get behind the ride eh? yeah that's the they're along for the ride and enjoying it and enjoying Aye, whichever bit it, of it, it. Yeah. I mean, i'm never going to stop enjoying like writing really nasty horror I, I love that i love that i love the feeling of writing these things i love the. it's basically just it's, it's it's mental masturbation isn't it you're you're getting into your own psyche you're you're playing around with all the toys that you've always loved your whole life so that that's great fun i'm never going to stop doing that but there'll always be there's always more you know there's always yeah other ideas coming through that i've got they're they're horrific a lot of them but not in the traditional sense so i'm trying to kind of you know yeah let myself go down that road sometimes do you yeah, ever get explore it a little bit? Do you ever get fearful that in that idea of revealing part of of your psyche, do you ever find yourself going, "I can't fucking write that"? I'm gonna. Do you ever have to edit <laughs> yourself back like that uh, and go, "People are gonna think I'm fucking nuts if I'm published right, this." So. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that back at you after I answer it because I'd like to know your take on it as well. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I do. But I, usually it's after I've written it. It's, I'll read it back and, and as I'm doing the second draft and I'll be like, holy fuck, right, that's what this is about. You know, this is me unpacking all this shit through my, yeah. my life or this is me unpacking this trauma or these good times or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't really know what the theme is until it's at least the first draft is complete and then, I'll, then it'll start taking a formula and I'll start to understand it. But I do worry about it. Like my mother won't go anywhere near my books and I would never want her to, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they're not for her. <laughs> no, she'll read, she'll read a couple of chapters and be like, oh, you're a good writer, son. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I, I, I mean, I've only wrote maybe two scenes that 
have made me question whether to keep them in. Mm -hmm. um, and they just deal with things that, that I particularly hate. Like since I became a father, I, I have a super hard time with like kids getting hurt or anything like yeah. that, especially infants. Um, so I'll, I'll, I, I take no pleasure in those kind of things. Um, so I, I'll, I'll avoid them in my books because there's nothing in there for me. That's, I can't see why anyone would take pleasure in it, but understand mm. that that's part of. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's horrific, so it has to be there. But um, other than that, um, no, I've written some fucked up shit, and I've never, I've never thought to myself, I'm taking it out. Even when those scenes have happened, like mm. yeah. there's a scene in Aftertaste where something horrible happens with an infant, and I hated writing that scene, but the scene worked. It was important. Yeah. So, yeah, and it was quick. It wasn't like I dwelled on it. Like I'll, a lot of my work, I'll dwell on it if I'm enjoying it. You know. Mm -hmm. So if it's a sex scene, I'll get, I'll get right into it. I'll, I mean, I won't lie. I'll be horny when I'm writing it. So yeah, I'll get right yeah. Into it, you know, that's that's part of being a writer, isn't it? You know, well, that's you, it. It's tapping into those feelings, yeah, isn't it? Tapping and, into uh, the feelings. Yeah. yeah. So that I hated doing, and uh, so it's it's only like a sense or two, but it's an important sense sense or two. Yeah. Other than that, no, it's anything anything goes. You know, as long as there's a purpose to it, yes. as long as there's a point to what you're doing, you know. Yeah. Doing. Sorry. I um, think um, my hang-up really is is has been the same as yours there, and it was to do with um, I found myself flinching away from anything to do with with uh, kids being harmed. Um, but that being said, in a book that we shared the cover of when we were in. Um, Christ, I've just drawn a blank. What was the name of that book? Oh, we were I can't in? remember the name. Um, it was something extreme. I uh, think it was Carnage. Carnage, Carnage Extreme Horror. Yeah, that was it. So for me, the ex, because I didn't see myself as big, you know, I, I didn't write Extreme Horror. You know, I'd written The Seance and uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Blessing up to that point. Yeah, which were fucking awesome, mate. Thank they you very great. much, mate. Thank you. I appreciate welcome, that. Man. And, but there's, there are gruesome moments in there, but there's nothing extreme. I, I don't think anybody could sit that in the category of extreme horror. And I had to sit there and think, well, what horrifies me in the extreme? And it would be, it is the randomness of violence. And when yeah. random violence occurs and innocent people are swept into it and, uh, you know, um, things like uh, there were there were some... I can't remember what the riots were for. I, I don't think they were race-related riots. I think it was possibly like anti-capitalist riots in London well, years ago. Yeah, I remember it. They, they kind of devolved into looting again, didn't they? Yeah. They were, I can't even remember the same. I can't remember the point of it. There was a point to start with, but it, there was it a went guy missing somewhere was, in the... In there was a guy who was just like a newspaper seller, and I think the police accosted him, and he had a heart attack. Aye, he just fucking, he smacked his head. I mean, I'm mangling Aye. an actual piece of news here, but there was something yes. and it, it, I just remember the feeling that I got from that more than I remember the actual event, but it mm -hmm. was like just that feeling of that is fucking disgraceful or things Horror. like, um, yeah, you know, dread. The, I was very conflicted about, um, Charles de, de Menezes when he was killed on a, um, on the underground. Obviously, it was a fucking horrible tragedy. The guy wasn't a terrorist. It was. It seemed to me like just the perfect storm of horrible incidents. You know, I would hate to be one of those police who had to pull the trigger or felt they had to pull the trigger at that time because they have been yeah. 
jacked up with, you know, they just had like, what was it, July the 7th attacks. Aye, aye, the and attacks. They, yeah. they saw this guy, you know, running for but a like, train and, you yeah. know, and it was just, they just Fucking thought horrific. if we don't, I, I get that they may have thought if we don't do something, we either lose one guy or we lose, or we lose. hundreds of folks. What a yeah. decision to make. Horrifying. It's horrifying. So I remember those feelings of, you know, the, and the, the conflict of things from those, um, I mean, I wasn't conflicted about the newspaper, Salah, you know, that was just outright fucking terrible. And, um, you know, and with the Domenes situation, um, I could see that, I could kind of see, you know, that it was just a horrible fucking mistake from my understanding of it anyway. Mm. Um, and, you know, here's a tragedy for this guy's family, something horrific yeah. that people have witnessed, but also something tragic that also happened in one way to the police who were there because they, I don't think they just up and decided to execute a guy on that day, you know. That, well, I certainly hope not. I, I think certainly it hope was not. A, I remember it happening and, yeah. And they probably, so, I mean, hopefully they're, I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible to say, hopefully they have to live with that kind of trauma, but mm-hmm. if they weren't living with the trauma of doing what they did, then they wouldn't be human. They wouldn't be human, I, you know, and oh. so where, I think where I tried to explore was sort of the extremes of, of those feelings. And yeah. there was a point at which I did describe a kid being, um, not attacked, but it was to do with like, you know, it was almost like a mass possession occurring in the story that I had written. Mm-hmm. And within that, people are having their bodies damaged and not necessarily noticing it, that they've got this hive mind and they are trying to, you know, attack, attack, attack. Yeah. And I thought, well, I can't shy away from it. There would have been kids in Leeds City train station at the time that these events would have occurred. So I'm going to have to man up and tell this story yes, and not flinch it. away from it. It comes back to um, that authenticity, doesn't it? You have, yeah. to, you have to be willing to go there. And hopefully you know? I managed to do it in a way that conjured up in people the feelings of disgust that I have at that kind of thing. And if well, I've done from that, my perspective, done my you did. From my perspective, you did. It's, it's, it's only when it dips into being lurid to think that it becomes a, mm-hmm. an issue. You know, like one thing I just cannot write about is uh, paedophilia. I just can't do it. But I know that writers have tackled it before and it's been tackled in some really tasteful ways, but it's also been tackled in some ways that it could, it's almost lurid. And I yeah. think that's, you're walking a dangerous line there and it's not something that I've got any any desire to do, you know. It's, yeah. It should be, I mean, the whole concept, going back to the whole extreme horror concept, it's, it should be extreme horror in the sense that it's extremely frightening. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not in that, hey, look how many babies I can boil or any that's fucking nonsense you know yeah. I've not yeah, got any time yeah. for that stuff so yeah I, I think that's where, where it lies that's my only concern really is the hurt my children and uh, there was one book where uh, uh, the whole book was based on that which was Where the Dead Ones Play it was originally yes. called um, Protection but I read I it when it was I, Protection I read it there yeah. And it, that was hard to write. That was a hard book to write. But it was. It wasn't in any way. I hope it wasn't in any way lurid or exploitative. It was more about the the sensation of loss and yeah. the cru- how grief crushes people and what the loss of a child means. Because any parent knows that feeling. I mean, you can't watch anything in the news after you became a parent. Certainly, you can't watch anything in the news where a kid is hurt without yeah. sinking horror in your stomach. This feeling. Yeah. It just. It's just because you. Your imagination runs with you, and you're like, "What if that was my kid?" Absolutely. And so, so I think I think it's good to dive into those areas, but 
never an exploitative way ever. No, I, I definitely don't remember feeling like uh, it was done in an exploitative way when I when I read it. Um, but there was the the whole story had this sort of profound sadness hanging over it, and yeah. Um, yeah. you know that was my main sort of takeaway from the story. Really, um, is the is the sort of transformative effect of really deep grief. Yeah, that's um, that's what's going for. So thank you. At least for you, I certainly achieved that. But uh, that's did. what I was aiming for. That was the idea. You know. I remember. Um, I you think we both grief. enjoyed. Um, Doctor Sleep, the movie, uh, Doctor Sleep. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think we both commented on Rebecca oh, Ferguson. Oh, that scene, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that fucking scene, man. I watched the. Uh, have you seen the extended edition? No, I haven't. No, mate. It's even longer. That scene's even longer. With the, with the little lucky with the with the boy, yeah. I, and I, I get why it has to be there. It's not exploitive. It's genuinely horrific, yeah, which is what it makes is. it okay. It works because you're like, holy fuck, this is horrible. But damn, that was hard. And see the thing about that kid. See that young actor. Aye. Great young actor. He's been a lot of things. He is the spit of my my daughter Raina. He's the spit yep. of her. He, I mean, he's becoming a man now, so he's lo- he's losing that yeah. that thing. But he looked so much like him watching that scene. It was like, oh, shit. I know. Well, I couldn't stand it, man. I couldn't my stand uh, it. my oldest son, uh, he's seven. He was around. He was he was. I think he was seven when it when it came out. Yeah. Um, and so I saw this little boy, you know, coming off the sports ground with his little oh. baseball shirt on, and Archie's got some, you know. He's got his skinny jeans and he's got little sports tops like that, you know. Aye, and I thought, aye. Jesus you can't Christ, help I could it. just Put see him. In that place, yeah. You can't help it. It was, and even more than it. the actual um, where they sort of drawn his soul out. It was just them being picked up in the van. Yeah. Pick up. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, that's how easy it is, you know. And that's how easy it is, man. That's the thing is, it didn't have to be. In a, it didn't have to be in a, um, a horror movie. This could have been a crime no. movie. And it yeah. would have still yeah, just totally. chilled you. Just the same effect. Yeah, the, the soul thing wasn't what got me. It was either it was for me. It was the van, and it was also the the screams of the kid. The screams, Jesus! Like, let me go. Stop it! Stop oh, hurting yeah. me! And it was like, holy fuck! I, I get why they put it in. It's important for the movie, mm-hmm. and so I'm all for it if it's necessary. Yeah, in the story, yeah. then so be it, man. But damn, that was hard. That was hard. Anytime I watch that film, I when I when I get to that scene because I love the movie, but I'll skip that. Just, uh, I, don't, I don't need this in my life, man. You rough know, watching that, like, yeah. Um, on social media, you're quite um, you're often quite politically outspoken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shall we say? Where do you feel that fits in with your work? Um, oh, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to be less outspoken on <laughs> on social media because. For one, I find the whole thing pointless. It's so it's just you're you're pissing the wind, man. You know, you're mm. just you're everybody's got a voice, and now everybody's voice is heard, and we're all fucking superstars of our own lives. But um, yeah, in my books, it, it, in the early days, it was it was definitely a thing. It was like, even though it comes across as almost to me anyway, almost childlike, and, and the simplicity of my political subtext in the early books. It was just there. It was like I had, I had a lot to say, and, I, and horror's always been the, the mainstay of political subtext. So mm. it, it fit with what I was doing with, with my work. So I thought, why not? But in, in, a, in a good sense, it's like I found that um, people can't place me in the political spectrum. 
uh, through my books and that's hopefully that that'll hopefully continue because I've been called everything from a far right dickhead to a lefty liberal SJW to everything in between a sexist uh, I've been called a racist because I had a black character die in a book which is insane to call me a racist but <laughs> all these things happen yeah. and, and I'm okay with that it's it's I'd rather have that than, than like the books aren't a fucking soapbox, you know, to stand no. on and say this is my political belief. And maybe in the earlier days, even, maybe not even the earlier days, maybe just the first release consumed, mm-hmm. it was much more overt. And, yes. And I've tried to, well, I haven't tried, I've just moved away from that, there's no trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have any, any, any need to do that. And for me, it was, I'm underselling my work here, but so be it. It was clumsy, as far as I'm concerned. Um, because if there's one thing that we all can, I can share, it's, it's art. You know, it's something that everybody can get any despite their political standing. And so uh, I try to avoid that then. Um, but then again, as you'll probably have seen over the last couple of days, occasionally it, it overflows on social media. And I have to fucking <laughs> say something, you know. Well, I'll bottle up for ages and then I'm like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to say something. And then the hate pours in and so be it though, you know. I, I, I kind of think retrospectively looking at um, consumed particularly, I think it was probably where you've called it clumsy, I think it was probably just that same instinct, uh, perhaps all these bottled up tensions about a certain political uh, ideas. Certainly, I think there was stuff to do with the wealthy um, in sort of taking advantage of of sort of the, the, the working class sort of... Uh, yeah, yeah, Correct me if I'm wrong, but... No, I, no, you're right. I've been racking my brains trying to remember the name of that mythology that you were building about the... The wealthy sort of parties where they're oh um uh, oh shit what was wasn't it, it something Aber- house or house something athos athos, athos that was it. Yeah. jesus yeah. christ i got i was yeah, tortured Good times that 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 um that became kind of a thing because I, I still stand by that story that's the story mm. that I like um and i've wrote the novel that i wrote the club deals with the same place but yeah. a far less severe political kind of take on it it's much more just about the ride, but but the elements are there. But uh, I think it's best to have these things as subtext. Jack, yeah, you know, yeah. They don't have to be out front because nobody needs that shit in their life. Nobody needs to be. You go into art to be entertained. So yeah. by all means, the subtext is there if you want to find it. If yes, you want to look if you want to the surface, it's there. But it, it shouldn't be the be all and end all. So it's I, I don't want people to be turned off by the fact that my political views may or may not differ from theirs. You know. I, so. I, I get what you're saying. And, and like you say, it is good to have it there for people to discover. And I think knowing that, um, again, going back to sort of the, the way that you vary your output, I think that people will appreciate that it's just part of the broader tapestry. That, yeah, there was I a, hope so. if, if, a phase where maybe it was more overt and that you've, you've blended that in more subtly. And yeah. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope a, so. I think you, that's an interesting approach. Like you say, it's there if you want to want to look for it. It may be there, yeah, but it's not the it's not the spine of the book. So yeah, it's it's not right up. I mean, the first book was called Consumed, obviously dealing with consumerism, and yes, so it was very very upfront, very obvious at that point. And I don't think that's that's for me. That's not the way to go. I don't. I, don't, I want the art to stand as art. You're telling stories. You're not. You're not preaching. You know. So I yeah. want to keep. Obviously, your own your own political leanings are going to feature in your work, Jack. Yeah. But but they don't have to over overtake the the narrative or the story or 
or anything like that because that's what really counts, you know. Yeah. So we're just the cost of that. Yeah, we're in this business to entertain and to uh, help people escape, or maybe in some instances look have a look at themselves. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be overt. It doesn't have to be so upfront where it becomes a, a turn off to to people. You know. Mm-hmm. No, I think. Uh, yeah. People appreciate balance, don't they? And they can. Yeah, I think so. Everybody, I think everybody finds something different in a book or a movie, don't they? There's always somebody who comes at it with an interesting take, and you think, oh, "Shit, I didn't see that in there." Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You don't. I mean, it's it's much better to leave it open. I mean, I think I think the it's the same thing with music. Um, it, it's if you in, inject too much of yourself or your beliefs into a story then it, it no longer becomes like a raw search for the audience, you mm-hmm. know, for the reader or the listener or what have you. It becomes a, a soapbox. And I think it's more important to um, have the audience find their own meaning in it. Absolutely. Find their own, their own truth I think the effects of that are longer lasting as well, rather Absolutely, than sort yeah. of a... Um, yeah, a pedagogical sort of stance, like spoon feeding people. This is what yeah. you need to think. I think you have. I think all art has is far more effective. Like when people look at a Banksy, uh, a Banksy piece, and and you kind of go, you know, I can see that it's cool, but what's it saying? And you kind of sit on it for a while, and you know, you percolate, and then it'll sometimes you you know you'll find a meaning. Yeah, yeah. And finding it for yourself, I think, is often much more a, a much more longer lasting thing. Yeah, because definitely. you've had to do the work, you've had to yeah. challenge it's more yourself. Fine. And it speaks to the, the reader or listener as well. I mean, it, it gives them a connection, and it gives you a connection to them as well. Because none of us are perfect. None of us know every intricacy of our beliefs. I mean, we. I think the only way to be honest is to question your beliefs, like uh, every opportunity. You know, yeah. watch news that you don't agree with. Um, listen to people that you despise. You know, uh, and vice versa. You know, let, let it all flow and yeah. see what it takes you. Because you can't be intellectually honest with yourself if you don't. No, so. and the, there's definitely, um, I definitely agree with you on, on the listening to people you despise um, because there is this thing of, especially on social media, this thing about censorship. And, yeah. and I take the view that, you know, if we, you know, you, you get a lot of people just saying this one's a Nazi or, you know, you, you caused a character to die in the book that you created, this fictional person. Yeah. So you're a racist. Yeah. If we carry on like that, then we're not actually going to know what a real racist, what a real threat to freedom looks like. Exactly. And if we don't get to hear exactly. that idiot in the White House coming out with a spiel, or if we don't get to read, um, like when Boris was talking about, you know, women in burkas looking like letterboxes and all this shit. If we didn't get to see that, then we would never actually know what that looks like. You know, we don't get yeah. to know how that person yeah. thinks for us to go, hold on, we've got to watch that fucker. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, so... Yeah, you've got, to know, you've got to know what you're looking for and all these names that are getting thrown about from the left and the right. It goes both ways, you know? Absolutely. It's all just the vision bells ringing, really, isn't it? I mean, most people are genuinely fucking decent. Yeah, they I think stay, they mean to be. I think they mean to be, yeah. Yeah, they may, they may end up not being, but they, they mean to be. And uh, they, they just happen to have the algorithms of YouTube or what have you have taken down a certain path. And I'm, I'm no no less or more inclined to that myself. I mean, my algorithms have took me down this path. So I've, I've started. Mm-hmm. But the, the difference is for a lot of people, I think, 
intellectually honest people will then look at the other side and look at all sides and try to encompass what's really going down, you know, as opposed to just saying, right, I, I have this tribal, you know, this this is my tribe and I, I'll back them up no matter what the fuck happens. And that, that's, that's like a shortcut to thinking that leads yeah. nowhere. And if, if we're not all talking, then these motherfuckers that are in power will continue to divide us. And it'll, Absolutely. it'll be more and more strife. So we need to start talking. Instead of just shouting, you're a Nazi or you're a snowflake or you're a this, you're left, you're right. We're humans, man. Yeah. You know, these people put us in this place. But we don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay in the mindset that they put us in. Absolutely not. Um, I saw one post uh, today, I think I saw it on Twitter. And uh, this kid, this guy has put on there, and, and it's been like shared thousands of times, and he put, um, I lost my aunt today. And I thought, oh, COVID-19 maybe, you know. Read the second sentence of the tweet. Um, she didn't die. Uh, I just discovered she was a racist. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like yeah you know that's you you're just making your own mind up you've you, ah, instead yeah, of sure. muting her you've listened and you've thought that doesn't sit right with me fuck off yeah. you know and yeah uh, it's important I think a lot of people, people, man, it's it's easy to be fucking angry in this day and age man we're living through history at the moment but it's we have to we have to listen to each other. There has to be nuance. It's got to the point where on Facebook or any kind of social media, if you even write, if you write, say, I don't like Obama, then suddenly people will assume you're a Trump supporter. Mm. If you say you, you support Trump, then people will assume you're a racist. You know, so you Absolutely. can't fucking. Everybody's just putting each other in little boxes as opposed to actually talking to each other. Because we're it's all like having the nuance is all gone, isn't it? There's no yeah, nuance yeah, anymore. Been lost. You know, it's been lost. I mean, it's still there in certain certain podcasts and things like that. Like, you go to the Joe Rogan show, I, I listen mm. to that quite a lot, and you'll find that there's a very mixed balance of people that I detest yeah. and people I'll, that I love and I respect. But I'll listen to them all because it's Absolutely. important to hear the other side. And, and then it's important to be honest with yourself and say, if, is there anything I agree with that this person's saying? Is there anything I, that they could be saying better? Yeah. Is there any way to look at it differently? Is there a way to see him somewhere in the middle where we can meet and have that kind of Christmas day in the fucking trenches kind of thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Most all hating each other and fighting each other. Yeah. Because eventually that leads to, I mean, it's divide and conquer, isn't it? Absolutely, it, really it is. is. That's, that's what they're playing at. And, and I think that's done, That that's even easier accomplished when we're all in this sort of lockdown situation as well, because everybody's oh, yeah. isolated, oh, yeah. even from their own families. For some mm-hmm. people, that'll be a good thing. For some people, it's fucking horrific. So Yeah, yeah that's it. That's yeah. it. We're all, our echo chambers are now even more precise, aren't they? They're even yeah. more defined now, you know? So we can all just sit in our houses and fucking surf the net and put up our little comments on Facebook and... Twitter and all that, and have our little three sentences yeah. that somehow are supposed to sum up our sum political up. views or other people's political views, and it's, it's yeah. bullshit. Bullshit. Every, there's more to people, you know. I think. Yeah. I think there's more that connects us than divides us. You'd like to, well, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think you're right. I'm being very optimistic here, but yeah, you are. Yeah. I'm being ide- idealistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting older. I'm less angry, but, but yeah, yeah, I do. I, I think like I, there's people in my life. Um, personal life who have vastly different opinions for you I do and it's you know it, it can be hard it's hard for them it's hard for me it's it's one of those things but you you, you have to find common ground because if we let them divide us completely then they win it's, the battle's over you yeah. know so 
I try to take a more compassionate stance on it these days, I guess, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although it might not always come on that, across that way in social media, but again, that's social media. You're 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 throwing out your thought in the moment. You're throwing out. It's your a snapshot, isn't it? It's a, yeah, snapshot, it's a snapshot rather than a whole ethos. Yeah, it doesn't define you. It doesn't define who you are. It's it's just a snapshot of what you're thinking in that particular minute. Mm. We have millions of thoughts a day, so you know. Speaking of potentially divisive opinions, I'll bring it back there to books. Um, now that we've put the world right, um, <laughs> do you ever read your yeah. reviews? Do you go on Amazon and have a look at your reviews and have a dig? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I try not to, but if I have a few glasses of wine on me occasionally, I'll be like, ah, oh, let's check it out and see what's going down, you know. It's, hard to it's resist, never a good idea, though. It's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> fucking... I've seen other, other uh, writers that will then reply because you can reply to your own oh, reviews. No. That's a fucking terrible idea. Just, <laughs> no. Because people do it. Like, how dare you say I'm a this or that? And I'm like, fuck that. Let people think what they might think. I you know. know. We're, we're not here to impress anybody. You know, we're here to do our job and be as honest with ourselves as we can. So, I've been there. Uh, yeah, I, I got a lot of static, man. A lot of static. I got a lot of good reviews too, which are yeah, nice. Yeah. But I never... Really take any of them seriously, good or bad. You know, yeah. they're just there. They're just they're a they're thing. A thing. As long as I'm happy with the work, I don't really care. To be honest, yeah, Jack. yeah. No, you get some um, interesting approaches from uh, authors when it comes to uh, reviews and reviewers. I noticed um, Ginger Nuts of Horror. Um, Big Jim had posted something the other day uh, or last week um, about you know. Receive, his reviewers receiving threats and being accosted in the street and all this. I mean, how the hell do people exp- you know? It's fucking insanity. If it's one insanity. person didn't like your thing, they, yes, they I'm, might have some influence, but some people yeah, will read it to see how bad it is. <laughs> so. I, exactly, exactly. I mean, the, all press is good press, man. Mm-hmm. Some, reviews, some of the reviews I love or like the ones I've read are really bad. And I, they're if nothing, they're entertaining, but they're also like, they, they can definitely, they're the kind of things that I'd read their reviews and then I'd be like, I'm reading that fucking book. You know, I'm going to have a shot at that. Mm. So, you know, it's, you got your thick skin, man. If any time you're putting art out there, you're, you know it yourself, you're, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. Not everybody in this life's going to like you. No. You know? So be it, who cares? The, that's where the, the, the sort of the tension comes, isn't it? It's, I'm putting some, a part of myself out there. And I think a lot of authors find it very difficult um, not to be hurt by negative feedback on it. I think so. I Um, think so. It's as if the criticism is of them rather than just the way that they phrased it or the priorities that they gave on the page. And it's it's difficult to to keep that in mind, isn't it? To keep the separation. Yeah, I think so. I think it is. Uh, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm quite adept at being detached with it, but I know a lot of people aren't and I understand Mm. that. And so I do understand like the heart that can come from it, but it's part of the gig, isn't it? It's something that you do, you know, it's yeah. something you just like to catch some shit. Yeah, you're going to catch some shit no matter what you do. It's going to happen, you know? I remember so um, back in the day, you were quite an um, accomplished reviewer yourself. You had a website running. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was maybe a hint that that might be coming back? Yes, um, I have a website that's getting built at the moment, Jack, and... Um, it's it's my own official website, offer website, but it's more. I'm trying to make it more than that. I don't want it just to be me fucking jerking off in a dark room, you know. <laughs> so I want to make it. I don't want it to be like, hey, it's the Kyle show, you know. So I want to. I want to bring in offers and do interviews and musicians and mm-hmm. you know, just keep it broad and keep it wide and keep it open and 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 kind of try to just the 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 real idea is to 
you know, hopefully bring new people into loving horror and also yeah. loving music because I've got I'm, I'm passionate about music, so I want to, if I can, like introduce people to new tunes and stuff like that, and give younger offers or upcoming offers a chance to, you know, have their word. So. And it's it's mutually from a business standpoint, it's mutually beneficial for everybody. Yeah. Because I mean, you've got my you'll have my links on the page, but they won't be up front, but they'll be there. But you'll yes. also so these offers there they they might have readers that I don't have, and vice versa. So you, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah. But it's going to be fun, and I'm going to review a lot of films and stuff. I've already got like uh, about thirty reviews sitting. Yeah. Um, just ready to go. Yeah, I used to I used to post them on Facebook. I'd, I'd watch go to the cinema, watch a movie, and if if I was jazzed about it, I'd sit and you know, write away about it and all that. And, and then I was like, well, why am I doing it here when I can do it in a place where people can come to and find it easy access and won't get lost yeah. in, in a feed or something, you know? So it just seemed like the right the right thing to do. And it's not, it's not like it's going to like affect my work or anything. No. If anything, it's going to help it because I, I enjoy writing reviews. I enjoy that, like looking at other people's work. And, yes. I was thinking that as you were saying it, to be honest, yeah. Um, because I find even doing this, I mean, you're the, the third interview that I've done, but as I'm prepping and I'm reading people's work and just kind of refreshing myself on things, and um, I found myself, I found it easier to sit while I'm at the keyboard already. So I'll bash mm-hmm. out a few hundred words while I'm here. Um, yeah. So hopefully you'll yeah, you'll that. you'll kind of find that approach works. Yeah, that's that's the ideal. Yeah, take it as uh, hopefully it'll inspire me even mm-hmm. more so. The only the downside, I'll bring in other reviewers as well because I, I, I kind of tend to, there's enough negativity in the world. So I, I kind of, if I go to see a movie and it sucks or mm. listen to a song or a track or whatever and it sucks, I, I tend to, that's it, it's gone, it's, it's disappeared, you know, I'm yeah. not interested. So I'll tend to only write about things that I love. So I yes. could come across as like just some asshole that loves everything. Loves everything, <laughs> yeah. So this is great, everything's fucking fantastic. But that's not the case, I just don't want to, Spend any time in negativity, you know. I don't, I don't no, know. I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you there. When I when I, mean, um, I I won't put up anything less than like a four star review on Amazon mm-hmm. or Goodreads or anything. Yes, and even yeah. then, sometimes I feel like a dick thinking, well, what would have getting that extra star on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah Why is it a four? Who am I to yeah, say it's yeah. a four? Who am I to say it's a four? Exactly. You feel guilty about it. So um, yeah, I, I don't want to be a part of that. You know. But I understand the validity of it, so I'll have other writers that can come in and do guest reviews and stuff like that. They'll they can take take it that way. If something really insults me, like it's really fucking insulting, like the curse of La Llorona or something like that, mm-hmm. just some something really Hollywood bullshit kind of kind of vibe up. Then I'll, yeah, I'll rant about it because it's not hurting anybody. It's you're not. I mean, you're dealing with massive corporations here. You're not really going to do any damage. I'm just going to wave my wee flag and yeah. say this is not what horrors about. But I would never attack independent horror, you know, or no. even even the B-movie level horror. It's like, no, these people are trying, man. Everybody's doing their best, you know? Yeah. And yeah. even if if a movie or a, or a book doesn't, like, appeal to me, there's always something worth to be found in it, you know? There's always something in there that's almost the, always. When you look back at it, <laughs> I was talking about this with one of my brothers, um, and I think it was James Cameron we were talking about, and... Was it Piranha 2 that is in his oh, IMDb yeah, yeah. credits? Flying fish or flying piranha. Yeah. The flying piranhas. The yeah. rig that he used for filming that, he then used for something to do with the face huggers or something in Aliens. So while he was cutting his teeth with this mm-hmm. low rent stuff, you know, he, he found techniques that he could then use on, you know, one of the most go. popular yeah. 
franchises of all time, really. Yeah, there's um, always there's always something good to be found in there. Yeah. There's a, a you probably have heard of it. So there's a YouTube channel called Cinema Sins, where the the right like every video will be like maybe ten minutes long, and they'll rhyme off like uh, all the shitty things and mistakes in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't appeal to me, man. It's it's fun to watch, but it doesn't really appeal to me. And, and a channel popped up maybe a couple of months back. Well, I discovered it a few months ago called Cinema Wins. And it was looking at these same movies that might be shitty in so many ways, but yeah. they're, they're looking at, hey, well, look at that. That bit of dialogue there really works. Oh, that's a really nice inflection. And look at the way the lights yeah, come near yeah. the camera itself. I'm, I'm more in that, that line of thinking, you know, try and find the good in it. You know? It might be the same people Everything. on antidepressants. <laughs> they might be bipolar. <laughs> yeah, be, well, that's a lot of on the shit, upswing. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The next day, well, it's actually quite fucking good. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, t- um, I tend to view it towards the positive. Also, yeah, that's good, and and I, I think uh, especially for up and coming writers or new filmmakers, they need that out there. They need people who, if if I haven't got something really positive to say, but it, maybe I will just sit back a bit and. You know, yeah. I won't yeah, mislead people. I won't say something dishonest, but I yes. won't shit all yes. over it because there'll be something. Some people will find something of value in there, and I think that's yeah. important. Um, yeah, nobody wants to drag anybody else down, do they? I yeah. mean, it's, we're all kind of fighting to struggle our way through the world anyway. So yeah. why would you want to drag another human being down? So, uh, yeah, I'm with you 100. percent I can also see that um, you know some sites that are you know sort of that they've got big teams of uh, reviewers and that, you know, they're paying those reviewers out and things like that. I can see where they need just content and that content is going to go up, whether it's positive or negative. So yeah, it's course. not how I particularly would like to work, but I appreciate that that's what they've got to do because that's the model yeah, that they've got. You know, it's, yeah, that's it's it. whether it's good, bad or ugly, they've got to see it. Yeah, it's part of it. I would certainly, I mean, going, going to reviews, I would certainly rather have someone write an honest, bad review than a, and a fake good review, you know? Absolutely. Who's got time for that, you know? Yeah. It's like well, nearly like people paying for reviews, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. What's what's the deal with that? That's not going to help you in any way become better, and it's certainly not going to break you to your echo chamber. So why do it? I mean, in the early days, I know a lot of people would go to their friends for reviews. I've been guilty of it myself in the very early days, you know? Um, and the reviews would read great, but you, you'll know yourself. You read them and then you're like, yeah, it's a great review, but it's from someone I know. So it's... Yeah, they're being kind. It's back to that thing we were talking about at the start of the interview. It's, it's, because you're not really... You don't know if it's honest or if it's not. So it's it's much more enthralling, I think, when it's strangers, whether it's good or bad, because at least they're being honest. Yeah, you know? yeah. So... Yeah. Where should anybody who's who hasn't read any of your work at the minute. So any anybody who's listening to this who um, wants a good jumping on point, what do you recommend? Um, <laughs> it's going to haunt me forever, but I have to recommend Devil's Day. It's, it's the book that everybody goes back to. It's the one that is certainly not the best book I've written, but it's a good starting point for my, kind of, my style. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, got, it's got the whole exploitation thing going on. It's very freewheeling it's hopefully entertaining so um it's yeah. a good place to start and then go from there into some of the deeper darker stuff you know like i can uh, play and dark island things like that yeah well i can yeah. definitely recommend uh devil's day has been a great jumping on point myself for, you know i can i i can see why you would use that as a, as a good sort of launch platform for people yeah so. it's a very it's a very easy book to get me you mm-hmm. know i think it's 
some of the other stuff's a bit more challenging, but that's, I mean, that there's much more merit than that for me personally, but it might not be the best place to start. Like if someone reads Love Lies Dead for their first book, they might never read anything or read again. So, mm. you know, it's, yeah. it's a good place to start, I think. So yeah, if you're listening, Devil's Day, give it a try. Absolutely. Well, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes for... for Thank you, man. I'll Thank be you. putting in you know, a couple of your books anyway, but I'll make sure Devil's Day is in there is the, is the recommended cool. uh, read. Where can people find you on social media? Where do you tend to... Uh, um, I don't use Twitter, which is very good for my mental health. Um, <laughs> I'm on Facebook. can be found on Facebook under Kyle M. Scott. Um, and if, they, if they're looking for any of my books, they can go to Amazon and find them all there. Um, under my offers page, just type in Kyle M. Scott. It'll bring me up right off. And uh, yeah, you'll find all the work there, good or bad. And then you can leave a review and let me know how much you love or hate it. Yeah, I'm easy and you'll either read it or you won't. <laughs> yeah, I'll maybe read it drunk one night and forget about it, you know, so the heartbreak doesn't set in. <laughs> Kyle, it's been great catching up with you. Uh, I, I hope you, you know, we get past the lockdown so you can get it back out on your bike and get a few ah, thousand words so. written. Let's hope so, man. Let's and uh, so. so thank you very much for, for coming on board. Thank and, you very much, uh, I hope you'll come back on again as well. Oh, um, absolutely. You know, we, we can talk about a different aspect of writing or maybe you know come on talk about it yeah definitely release yeah yeah we can go in depth with anything you like jack i'll, I'll be there Spot brilliant well i'll look forward to it all Rock right and, and i'll catch you soon i hope you've enjoyed this episode of fiendish minds don't forget to like and subscribe and follow the link below for today's show notes where you can find reading lists and more information about today's guests thanks for listening catch you next time